Welcome to this week's edition of An Organic Conversation, a show about food, ecology, stories from the land, recipes, nature, sustainability, interconnectedness, relationships, and life itself. Over the years, we have covered almost everything around food with An Organic Conversation. We had shows on cake, the art of fermentation, wine production, chocolate, cheese, fruits and vegetables, juicing, agriculture, of course, and much, much more. We even discuss sustainable fishing practices, and today we are dedicating this hour to another form of agriculture, to seaweed. Superfood seaweed, nourishment from the ocean, is our topic today, as we will be talking about the different forms and uses of seaweed and what consumers should be aware of when it comes to choosing the right seaweed in regard to personal and environmental health. You're listening to An Organic Conversation, and I'm Helge Helbert. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Yes, agriculture to aquaculture. <laughs> We've been wanting to do this topic for quite some time, actually. I think that seaweed, although it is really quite an old tradition as far as being a staple in people's diets, it seems to be having... Uh, it's heyday right now. So many people whose diets didn't traditionally include sea vegetables are now looking for more ways to incorporate it. So it's going to be a really good conversation. Yes. But before we go into that conversation, we usually like to start with a little some kind of week's review. And this week we decided to make it story time. <laughs> Helga. And the living is easy. <laughs> Yes. Well, I just spent two and a half weeks in Germany with my dad. He actually needs to go to a senior care facility very soon. And so we prepped and looked at places. And it was a very intense time. Any family that has ever gone through that will understand that and I'm sure can relate because it's a different part of your life now being started. And And yet, at the same time, we had the most connected two and a half weeks we've ever had in my entire life. I saw him with new eyes, and he appreciated my efforts. And so there was more love than we had ever experienced before between us. And I actually brought that heart opening with me. I'm realizing now I'm seeing life in a different way. And Mark, you gave me a beautiful gift of a quilt that your mother-in-law... She was part of the process, yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. uh, put together over the course of a year or longer. Beautiful quilt with like a fall theme that is draped over the bed. And I, I sat on top of the quilt the other day and I looked down and for the first time ever, I saw that in the pattern are these tiny three, four millimeter big, you know, 10% color dragonflies facing each other. And that pattern continues as it's a pattern every foot or so. But I've looked at this quilt really with a lot of attention. And I've never seen these dragonflies. One could argue maybe they weren't there. But really, by all logic, they were there. I w wasn't able to see them. However, however it was, they are now there. And it's amazing to me that we can look at something like the face of a lover or or a wall and don't see the heart imprint the heart shape imprint on the wall or you know lines on our lover's face that we never seen before that are so dear to us so my my last three weeks i have come to the conclusion that yes miracles are absolutely real <laughs> 
almost like a little organic moment, but... <laughs> it's a lot like an organic moment. I actually really appreciate that because for people who listen to us pretty regularly, you know, the conversation gets rolling and we get to the end of the, the interview and we very, very infrequently have time for organic moments. So that... Helga, that story just seemed really about the present moment and about something to appreciate about the present moment. Mm -hmm. You know, you'll miss it if you're not paying attention. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and life is full of it. I mean, yeah. And you were mentioning something about dragonflies when we were talking about dragonflies this morning. You came up with some little bit of tidbit of folklore or yeah, wisdom. Well, I have a really great book about the, the symbolism of animals. It's written by a wonderful author, Jamie Sams, um, who's written a lot about Native American tradition. And so she talks about dragonflies as being a symbol of the illusions, what we what we can't see about the world through our illusions. And it tells a story about how the dragonfly was once dragon <laughs> and coyote tricked the dragon, and the dragon then became a dragonfly. So I'm, I'm paraphrasing kind of poorly, but it's it's very sweet to no, look at the symbolism. Spot on, actually. Especially, <laughs> you know, Helga, it seems like this, it, it, was it there or wasn't it? What is the illusion that we put in front of our own eyes? And then when we allow that to be stripped, we can see what really is, like the little dragonflies on the quilt. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, you don't have any of those encounters <laughs> these days i uh seem to be having them every single day and and so filled with joy because i am you know both of you what you just are saying is it is truly a joyous miracle when you finally start living with your eyes open mm. um, and, and your heart for that matter well your heart very much so your heart very much so whatever your eyes are and it doesn't matter the time it doesn't matter the place it doesn't matter that you hadn't noticed that for 50 years it just matters that now you do mm. and uh that beautiful thank you for bringing that story today hug i yeah. really appreciate uh it set the whole tone for my day <laughs> great that's wonderful. Um, you're listening to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helber. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. Today we're talking about superfood seaweed, what we can see there. Seaweed, nourishment from the ocean. But before we dive into the topic fully, the topic of the hour, here's our weekly tip from the world of health and beauty, the direct bodily and mentally kind. Here's Chef Sita and her holistic bite. Beauty. What, what is more beautiful than the abundant fruits and vegetables we see in our markets during the summertime? I am just overjoyed with the abundance of colors and textures and flavors and things that we wait for until they're so sweet and ripe. And, and I am revisiting a conversation that we had several weeks before ago where we were talking about how to plan your meals so that you can get more servings of fruits and vegetables into your diet. And one of the tips that we talked about was actually planning your meals around the fruits and vegetables that are available this season. So revisiting that, I wanted to touch on a couple of the really seasonal items that are out there that I'm just excited to be eating more regularly, namely corn and zucchini. And corn is 
it, it feels to me like corn is kind of a short season. I don't know if that's actually the case, but I, I, I don't eat it out of season, and I look forward to when it's in season because it's just so sweet and fresh, and it's unlike the way it tastes any other time. So when corn is in season, I like to try and find as many ways to get it into my diet as possible. And one thing that I love to do with corn is to make a champagne and sweet corn risotto. <laughs> and it's just taking these kernels off and they're a wonderful size to integrate with all of the arborio rice. And the champagne adds a good tartness to the sweetness of the sweet corn. So that's one way to plan corn and get more servings of vegetable in your diet. Another corn recipe that I like actually tags on with another item that's very seasonal right now, which are spicy peppers, padron peppers. And the this recipe makes polenta, which is, you know, the, the corn as a grain. So you cook the polenta, but you actually add fresh corn kernels and roasted poblano pepper into the polenta. It's a great way to get more vegetables with your grain, and then you can serve it with a salad or whatever you want to have it with. And then the other item is zucchini. And zucchini, I think, is something kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. Corn, I said, I feel like is kind of a short season. Zucchini seems to be abundant most of the year. The thing about zucchini in the summer is that this is so abundant. You're getting it in your garden in mass quantity. You're seeing it at really fantastic prices. It's relatively inexpensive, so it makes for really good value. And a couple, you know, whether you're just trying to get more vegetables in your diet or you're trying to figure out how to eat more zucchini because you have so much of it, a couple of my favorite recipes with zucchini are one, zucchini lasagna, where you actually replace your noodles with long strips of zucchini and you can cut the zucchini on a mandolin so you get these long noodles and add a little sea salt and olive oil and let it marinate until the salt softens the zucchini and it, it, it behaves a little bit more like noodles would be and you layer that with whatever you would fill your lasagna. Then the other item would be ratatouille. And ratatouille, you use eggplant and zucchini and sweet bell peppers, which is another thing in season right now, as well as tomatoes. It just seems like somebody knew what they were doing when they put this recipe together. But these are really um, vegetable-rich ways to put together a meal. And that's a way to surely increase the number of vegetables that you're getting in your diet. So there's no better time than this season and uh, I hope that this has inspired you to make a couple new things and enjoy some more vegetables. That's this week's Holistic Bite. <laughs> Thank you, Sita. That's Chef Sita every week. Giving I love the it. update from the world of health and beauty, inner and outer. Mark, this must be your favorite Holistic Bite ever. <laughs> vegetables. How to put more vegetables into your diet. <laughs> I love it. I love the creativity. I never would have put champagne in, in uh, with corn chowder, mm. and I think that's a great idea. And ratatouille, I've never made it. All those mm. I've used all those things. I would put them in a pot together, but I've never made ratatouille, or maybe I have and didn't know it. Mm. But I love it. And you know what? This time of year, everybody's busy, and so I think going along with what you're saying, Sita, is if you can create a little cooking time, and if it's mm. hot, you do it in the morning, right, so that it's just done, because then later on, you get home, you've been swimming, you do all those things you do in the summertime, and then it's there, and then it's easy just to make that part of your diet. I like it. Even sounds delicious cold. It doesn't. Yeah. Well, the zucchini in particular, yeah. that zucchini lasagna, you can make that a raw dish. Yeah. If you soak your sun-dried tomatoes and put them in the mm. blender with fresh tomatoes and sun-dried tomatoes, that can be a raw tomato sauce, and you can use these marinated zucchini. It doesn't need to be hot and right out of the oven to be delicious. Lovely. 
maybe throw some seaweed into as well. <laughs> Thank you, Sita. That's what's coming up. Superfood seaweed nourishment from the ocean is our topic today here on Inorganic Conversation as we will be talking about the different forms and uses of seaweed and what consumers should be aware of when it comes to choosing the right seaweed in regard to personal and environmental health. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And we'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned. Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit earlsorganic.com. Spicely Organics offers more than 200 different organic spices and dried herbs to choose from. Classics like oregano and cumin, exotics like aji amarillo, and blends like tikka masala. Spicely helps nourish your body while embracing sustainable, eco-friendly, and ethical practices always. Take wellness into your own hands and creativity into your own kitchen. Spicely Organics, teas, spices, and dried herbs at your natural food store and online at spicely.com. And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helber. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Our topic in this hour is superfood seaweed. We might have all had some kind of encounter with seaweed, either swimming in the ocean, around our toes, or on our plate. Hopefully this hour will shed light how to integrate it into your diet or into your bath salts. There are lots of uses for nourishment from the ocean. With us today are Barbara and John Stevens-Lewallen, the owners and founders of Mendocino Sea Vegetable Company, who are joining us today from Philo, California. John and Barbara, are you with us? Yes, yes. good day. Good day to you. <laughs> Thank you for making time. I know this uh, is seaweed harvesting time right now, so thanks for being with us here and helping people to understand the many uses and forms of seaweed in this hour. This is our pleasure and our calling. Well, awesome. <laughs> that, that, that's what I love to hear. So I'm, you know, I'm really passionate about produce and organic produce, and when people get around me, they just get really excited when I start talking about produce. But what I would like to know is if you could tell us about your passion for hand harvesting seaweed in the Pacific Northwest, and then why did you start a business around that? Well, in, in 1980, I, I was part of the Back to the Land movement, and I came up here to Mendocino County, and then the seaweed just started talking to me. It's almost like a, a professional or a religious calling to me, saying, hey, uh, we want to come into the human community. We want to bring the trace elements. You need us now. And uh, I just started backpacking it off the beach and drying it in the backyard and uh, uh, attached uh, Japanese names to it, mostly because it was mostly the macrobiotic people who were eating seaweed at that time. But that was 35 years ago. I, I found that I just love harvesting seaweed. The physical act of it is just awesome being there. And that seaweed has a very powerful consciousness, and it really wants to come into the human community 
to heal. That, that's my passion. Here, here's Barbara. Well, I've been eating seaweed since I was very young. I was from uh, born in New England and lived on the ocean there, and we've always incorporated seaweed into our diet. And when I came back up to California, Northern California, I came specifically to see what seaweeds were living here and who was involved with seaweed. I'd been using it in my health practice for many years because of its trace elements, especially iodine, which is something that our whole world is in great need of right now. And we, we want to talk about the health benefits, of course, more. But just to give people a visual, I of course, we went to your website, seaweed.net, where you can see your harvesting team standing barefoot in seaweed or maybe with rubber boots, really at low tide. Give us a, a, a picture on what a normal, <laughs> if there's such a thing as a normal day in a seaweed company. <laughs> well, we, but we harvest the seaweed during the full moons and the, the minus moons are the new moons because that's when we have the minus tides and we can walk out and uh, walk into the seaweed garden and trim it. So quite often, quite often we're um, outside during to, to watch the full moon set over um, the ocean and the sun will rise behind us over the little town of Elk where we do a lot of our harvesting. So it's a very pictorial and beautiful and awesome experience to walk down into the into the seaweed gardens and the ocean opens up and and what and, and shows what she has available to us in a myriad of a myriad of colors it's very psychedelic and so it's the beautiful. moon the moon helps make it a minus tide meaning the water recedes and the ocean recedes much much further than normal which allows you to go further out That's right. You imagine the earth and the sun and the moon holding hands and lining up for a few days every every month. And that makes uh, the tides ex extreme. And then that opens the whole psychedelic uh, environment of, of the seaweeds. And the seaweeds are blooming their blades only in the uh, spring through the fall months. And so uh, you go there and it's waving colors, reds, greens, blacks, all different sizes, hundreds of species. You go to the home where you know that your favorite ones live. You've been talking to them and making offerings. And then you get there and uh, uh, pick the seaweed, come back and dry it in the hot sun in the inland here. And then we get the uh, best gourmet uh, seaweed in the world from, from Mendocino County that way. You paint such a beautiful picture about these colors and the nighttime and the, and the sunrises. And I've been to that area of the Pacific Northwest Coast there in Elk, and I know what a gorgeous and, and really harmonious environment it is with the birds and the animals. And I, I can hear animals in your background there, too. I know you guys are really living that abundant life. And I think, John, you touched on something that was really interesting for me, particularly because of my culinary background. You said when you started doing this, it was really mostly the macrobiotic community that was so interested in eating sea vegetables. And, and sea vegetables have been a staple of traditional diets for a very long time. But in, in, in recent years, they've gained a lot of popularity in mainstream culture. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on why people are drawn to sea vegetables today. One reason why is for 35 years, uh, uh, starting actually with With me as a small business, several small businesses up here have been promoting and harvesting beautiful seaweed uh, th throughout uh, the area and the country. 
Also, the Japanese cultures have, have brought their knowledge in. They've, uh, uh, especially Korea, Japan, China, have uh, revered seaweed for the gods and the kings, whereas uh, the European cultures have scorned seaweeds. It's disgusting. It's vile. And we had to overcome that prejudice and get through to the true fact that seaweeds are wonderful. They're for gods and kings. And, and it's been something that we've been working on for 35 years, and now it, its consciousness uh, is finally happening. And it's a food that we really need during these, these times uh, for the minerals that have been depleted from the soils, uh, the minerals that we need to keep our glandular system toned up, the gels that help chelate the heavy metals that are polluting our environment. It's a food that people are becoming aware of that's really important to incorporate into our daily diet. And so why why would that be important, especially it's just beautiful to hear that nature provides exactly what you need in, in during those months of the year. We talked about citrus on the show and that that's the time when we catch a cold or flu, winter, spring, that's when citrus is abundant. It's It's just amazing the rhythm of what is being provided constantly by Mother Nature exactly what the humans what what humans need or or you know all live needs in order to be the most healthful and and sustainable how does that refer to seaweed you said there is a harvesting oh, yeah, season yeah very much attuned to what you're just saying uh, be, before the invasion of the Europeans to this uh, continent there were two types of seaweeds on each coast that were uh, the uh, seaweeds that were being used by tribal people on the east coast it's Dulce, and on the west coast, it's uh, the nori, the porphyra. And out here, I know the nori so well. It's friendly to people. It comes in the late winter and spring when we need a spring tonic. It grows high above the tidal zone, so you don't, aren't killed by the wave action when you harvest it. And it's uh, these two seaweeds are the only ones that really have a lot of assimilable protein. In those days, uh, people really needed protein and food energy. Now what people need is the wide range of trace elements, which has gone out of the diet. They need uh, weight loss properties. And these are coming in from the other seaweeds that we're bringing in from the other cultures, the wakame, the kombu. These have all the properties of weight loss and uh, also the trace elements. Here's Barbara. And, and, and the people, the communities, our communities have moved away from the coast and moved inland. And when that happened, they were away from the sea and they were away from the seaweed and they were away from the iodine that you can bring into your body just by standing on the shore and inhaling the ocean air. Our bodies need iodine so much to keep our glandular system functioning. And when people moved away into the Midwest and away from the ocean, they became iodine deficient. And that's when um, iodine was added to table salt to make sure that people got this very important element that seaweed offers. Seaweed is the only entity that can take the iodine out of the ocean water and make it part of its properties. And from there, the fish eat the, uh, the seaweed, they get the iodine. Humans eat the seaweed or the fish or breathe the air that has the iodine. And that's one of the major important needs of uh, seaweeds in our culture today, I believe. 
I, uh, as well as all the other I actually minerals. read a study a couple of years back that an, a day at the ocean physically, measurably makes you happier because of the iodine in the air. The iodine in the air is yes. so soothing on your nervous system and adrenal glands that after yes. a full day spent breathing in iodine-rich ocean air, you actually leave the beach physically happier, which we all know, of course, but we thought it's about the beach ball and chasing each other in the sand. But no, it's yes. actually... I love that. Dancing with that. <laughs> Dancing with the iodine. Keep our thyroid butter flooding. Exactly. <laughs> uh, we're speaking with John and Barbara Stevens-Lewallen the owners and founders of Mendocino Sea Vegetable Company, who are joining us today from Philo, California. Their website is seaweed.net for just the best seaweed out there. John and Barbara, stay with us. Uh, we want to talk about the, the different forms and the uses of seaweed, all the products that you are making out of them, how people can integrate them best into their diet. If people are new to seaweed, we'll take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more. You're listening to an Again, a Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. Seaweed, the topic of the hour, nourishment from the ocean, that and more when we come back right after the break. Stay tuned. Fry Vineyards is America's first organic winery, family-owned and operated since 1980. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Fry organic and biodynamic wines include delicious Cabernet Sauvignon, Zinfandel, Syrah, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc. Fry Vineyards Mendocino County award-winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. Find out more about their classes on holistic nutrition and culinary arts at bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Our topic in this hour is superfood, seaweed, nourishment from the ocean. We're speaking with Barbara and John Stevens-Lewallen, the founders and owners of Mendocino Sea Vegetable Company, who are joining us today from Philo, California. Their website again, seaweed.net. Barbara and John, what is what are the varieties? John, you mentioned there's, there's nori and there's dulse. I saw on your website you have things, of course, kombu, sea palm as well, and then varieties that I've never heard of, bladderwrack and grapestone and sea whip. Just to stay with those common ones, kombu, sea palm, dulse, how can people integrate that best into their diets? And, and what are, those, what are the, the differences in the varieties? What do they provide? The uh, best way to eat seaweed is how uh, you like it. It can go into your diet many different ways. There are really thousands of species, but uh, a few very delectable ones. The, uh, the nori is almost like meat, and it's very good 
flash fried or just briefly roasted to tenderize it. The uh, wakame kombu are very great soup vegetables. The dashi kombu, uh, the basis of Japanese soup stock, is always made with with uh, kombu, and these are very sweet soup vegetables, just full of all kinds of good good tastes. They isolated the taste umami out of kombu, the taste-enhancing taste. The, the sea palms are like a groovy noodle. They, they go into all kinds of different dishes. One restaurant has had st- sea palm strudel on the menu for years, a sea palm dish based on a German uh, dessert. And it's, it's really good. Uh, the, the sea lettuce can be uh, used as a, as a garnish. And then uh, when they're powdered and, and milled, like, like in our miracle mix, then they can just be added to all kinds of soups. And here's, here's Barbara with some more uh, ideas on eating with seaweed. Oh, my, one of my favorite new uh, recipes is using the wakame as a wakame roll. And I um, take uh, one of the blades of the wakame and I hydrate it, get it wet and soft again, and I use it as a roll just like a sushi roll with the nori sheets. And it becomes tender, and it's really uh, delicious and very powerful food and um, nutrition and tastes. And John was mentioning that we have a mix. That it's our sea sprinkle, our miracle mix, which has it incorporates three brown seaweeds, which are, give you all the iodine and the essential minerals you need, and then one red. And that I, I started making so that my mother could put it into her vegetable juices, and we took off from there where um, people can sprinkle it on their salads or put it with a little hot water and have uh, and miso and have an instant miso soup. We put uh, sea palm in our burritos. It's, it's a very versatile food, and you can add it to any type of diet, from macrobiotic to a lot of raw fooders really enjoy the sea palm because of its versatility. And um, we ferment seaweeds, <clears throat> put it a lot in our sauerkrauts, uh, use it as a, a roll in our tofu or our fishes. It's uh, it's a, it's quite versatile. Well, you can I, add it to any type of diet. I I I love what you're you're showing. So much more than just seaweed salad, which may be the first introduction, or maybe as much familiarity as some people have with incorporating sea vegetables into their diet. And also talking about how some sea vegetables are really good dry, like nori. You dry it; it's crispy. You can wrap it around something, or the kind that you soak in water or in soup so that they get very um, fluid. You know, they have a lot of of juice and texture to them, like wakame and kombu. And um, we didn't talk much about dulse. I imagine in part because dulse is is, um, grown on the East Coast and your business is on the West Coast here. But dulse is something I just want to add here for our listeners because it has a really wonderful smoky flavor. It's beautiful, like royal purple color. And you can roast it in the oven and it takes on this smoky flavor. I've heard people say it reminds them of bacon. So they'll make themselves DLT sandwich dulse lettuce and Mm -hmm. tomato and dulse is also used ground with sesame seeds 
to make something called gomastio, which is a condiment that you see at a lot of macrobiotic restaurants. It's kind of like a salt alternative because dulce is salty and smoky and um, really a delicious thing to put on top of popcorn, for example. Oh, it's wonderful and, and mix it with a little nutritional yeast. You're speaking my language. Toss <laughs> it on the popcorn, but a little olive oil. Oh, yeah. Oh. And then hey, it, Barbara's from the world of Dulce. She's from the East Coast, but she's, we found that we only get a few pounds a year, but it's the best Dulce in the world here, Mendocino Dulce. Mm, and she just really? talks to her. She goes out in the waving red fronds, just hypnotizer. And she dries them blade by blade, and it's the best dulce in the world, but we only get a few pounds a year. It's a little more salty than the East Coast dulce. I love the East Coast dulce. I grew up on it. And the first, we used to make a lot of baked beans because from New England, baked beans and brown bread was a, was a staple of our, our family. So when I stopped eating, uh, when I started eating a vegetarian diet years ago, experimenting with different diets, I replaced the pork with the dulce because it did have that smoky flavor, and I put a little uh, dulse in there and an onion, a little olive oil, and we just made these fantastic Boston baked beans. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helber. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And we are speaking with the passionate Barbara and John stevens Lewallen, the owners and founders of Mendocino Sea Vegetable Company, who are joining us today from Philo, California, in Northern California, in this hour on superfood seaweed nourishment from the ocean. Barbara, I, I do want to ask, is between the varieties that you, and, and the different uses that you and John just covered, um, is one better for you than the other? Is like, how do you, where, where would you start if you have never cooked with with seaweed? Is one kind of the can't go wrong, easy to prepare, or they do they have all different flavor profiles and different mineral profiles or health profiles for you to address different kinds of of things in your body? Or is it is there a, a general theme where you can say, really, it's, you know, yes, they, I taste the difference. And if you just want to start, go with this, put it into your dish, and you're, you have a good introduction. What's your take on that? Yeah, quite a few people will call me, and they, they'll ask me that question. So I send them a little sample pack of the different varieties of seaweed. And I ask what type of diet they're, that they prefer, if they're eating a raw food diet or a vegetarian diet or you know what what they like and um i can suggest what type of seaweed to incorporate into it like if they like soups i usually recommend either a kombu or wakame because they make a wonderful soup broth we recommend sea palm for for toasting for a nice crunchy um, addition to, you know, sprinkle on top of your salads or to put as a side dish or to add with your dried fruits and nuts as a trail mix so you can get that salty, sweet flavor. I think it just depends, um, you know, the whole versatile. It's so versatile, you can add it to any particular type of diet. Exactly, yeah. Just see oh. how you can integrate it into your existing diet already. That's yeah. a wonderful Yeah, answer. there are therapeutic uses of our, of our seaweeds by several... Uh, practitioners but we aren't the practitioners we don't you know we we don't prescribe it to anybody sure. but to, uh, mostly for uh, to regulate the thyroid and get a wide variety of trace elements for therapy for all all kinds of uh, different things because the absence of trace elements there's over a hundred trace elements that we need could be doing all kinds of things to us we don't even know about so you know listening to this 
beautiful story that you've been telling us. And it's fascinating because I had no idea about seaweed and I feel like I know so much more now. But you mentioned that you are not, you know, you're not the healers. You're not the people who are going out there and telling people to eat this or telling them to eat it from a medical standpoint. But you're the harvesters. You're the people who have a deep connection with the ocean and the ocean speaks to you. But I'm what I, my question for you is, that's beautiful, and yet I would imagine that's not the only way that seaweed's being harvested. Are there any other environmental concerns that are associated with harvesting seaweed, you know, for edible consumption, of course, like on a larger scale? I talked to a guy in Southern California, Fish and Game. They uh, monitor the giant kelp in Southern California. There are two kinds of kelps growing off of our coast, uh, uh, giant kelp in the south and bullwhip kelp up here. He said that it had been uh, knocked back by pollution, but not by the harvesting. Now, on the other hand, up here in Northern California, we're following what I think is a very enlightened path. We started in 1980 starting up this method that we have, which is hand harvesting, not more than a few hundred pounds a day by cottage industries. And uh, we actually uh, stimulate the crop, I think. At least it's gotten a whole lot better. Well, for one thing, the ocean conditions are improving with global warming. I can talk about that if you want me to. There's an interesting phenomenon. But anyway, uh, we've made regulations now that it's regulated by state fish and wildlife, it's called now. There's no mechanical harvesting allowed of seaweed north of San Francisco Bay. So the entire northern California massive uh, seaweed habitat is protected from any kind of mechanical harvesting. And I think that the hand harvesting is the way to go, even if we expand it a lot, which I think we should, because there's a whole lot of food here that people need and that we use our blade tip uh, hand harvesting methods, we actually stimulate it. And so uh, I think uh, that we're really protecting it up here and we're walking our talk and it makes everybody feel good too it's 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 good for people to to do this yeah i, I we looked up um, on the internet some information from industrial seaweed production from other parts of the world china comes to mind where environmental standards as are at least as much a concern as here in the united states where you see huge barges dredging entire bays kind of destroying the life under the surface of the water um, oh, yeah, and they whack through, and there's actually uh, crabs uh, riding on all those kelps. It's just a very insensitive way of approaching life. And we've, for several decades, we pioneered this really aboriginal method of being part of nature. And, and we've established it in Northern California regulations and practice. Beautiful. Yes, thank you, John and Barbara, for your uh, undeniable passion. It came through fully. And for doing what you do for clean, local seaweed. I do want to ask, because listeners have asked us in the past, is irradiation or radioactivity, radioactive fallout, a problem with seaweed? Yeah, we there's... Uh, on the west coast of California, there's no, uh, not even a trace of radioactive pollution from Fukushima uh, here. It just uh, can't, can't make it all the way across the ocean, and, and it's been being tested regularly now for that. And 
in general, Northern California is still one of the cleanest ocean spots in the world, just in general. And, and we've worked on that. We've stopped offshore oil drilling. We've stopped over logging. And we, we've participated in keeping this environment healthy. And we're, we're trying to stop. We keep working to stop building nuclear reactors and disarmament of nuclear products. I think that's the best we can do when we worry about these types of situations is to get out there and and uh, convert to to nat- nature, to convert to natural energy and, and stop using nuclear. Thanks for your work. Yes, Sita, yes. you had one more well, question. No, I just wanted to share how much how much um, gratitude I feel and I think my, my fellow co-hosts share as well for you two being well, it's, stewards. It's a wonderful wife and it's been really rewarding. And so uh, thanks for <laughs> Thank your energy. You. And this Good. is just the beginning of the seaweed revolution. Yes. May it be long and, and join us and come take a walk on, on the in the tide pools. We, oh, will. we will take you up on that offer. We That's shall. wonderful. And we'll play with your, with your harbor seal that has barked there in the back. <laughs> that is John and Barbara Stevens-Lewallen yeah. joining us today from Philo, California, Northern California, the founders and owners and caretakers of the ocean up there, Mendocino Sea Vegetable Company, seaweed.net is the website. Thank you again, John and Barbara, for joining us today. Pleasure to have you. Thank you. Thank Our you. Pleasure. Thanks Our for pleasure. your work. Bye. Bye-bye. That was Superfood Seaweed Nourishment from the Ocean. Our topic today, all the different forms and uses. Wow, so much passion for the sea life. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And how to integrate that into your diet. Mark, beautiful. I I was just sitting here just thinking about I knew so little about seaweed, and now I feel like now it's a companion. I can go to the store, and I feel like I'm ready to add it to my diet. (laughs) New friend, yeah, absolutely. What has been a common domain for you, though, is produce, organic fruits and vegetables, and that's what's coming up here in an organic conversation. What's in season is next. This is an organic conversation, and I'm Helga Helbert. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. Stay tuned, and we will be right back with more. Produce is ever-changing, seasons coming and going. At Earl's Organic, we have been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. Since 1988, Earl's Organic Produce has been establishing strong relationships with growers and developing a deep understanding of the seasons, so you can offer the most delicious organic produce to your customers, staff, and clients year-round. For organic produce, visit Earl's Organic Produce at earlsorganic.com. That's earlsorganic.com. Spicely Organics' emphasis has long been on the natural health benefits of organic spices. And now, Spicely is excited to share more health benefits with the introduction of their hand-blended organic teas. Choose from black, green, white, mate, oolong, pu'er, and herbals blended with their signature spices like vanilla rooibos, sweet turmeric, and honey lavender. Spicely Organics, teas, spices, and dried herbs at your natural food store and online at Spicely.com.
And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. That was a lot of passion. Superfood seaweed, our topic in this hour, nourishment from the ocean. Beautiful to find people who are that connected to their environment. What's coming up now is Mark being connected to his environment of produce, organic fruits and vegetables. The update, the weekly update from the dock of the produce, what's in season. So it is time for, if you've been listening to that music, it's time for What's in Season. And today we're going to talk about love apples. And I was wondering, what are your favorite love apples? What are we talking, pears? <laughs> no. <laughs> I've been, so I've been listening to What's in Season for many years now. <laughs> I'm familiar with the love apple. We are actually talking about tomatoes, yes, as they're are. commonly known. Yes, and are. I love that question, Mark. And it's hard to answer because for me, it depends on how I'm using them. If mm -hmm. I'm just going to, if we're just talking salt and olive oil and a simple tomato, for me, brandy wine. Mm. Brandy wine mm. heirlooms are just so perfect. Um, mm. But I love like green zebra stripes on a plate because they're so strikingly beautiful. They make an, a really nice contrast. And, and I have to say, honestly, and, and I'm going to be interested to hear what your, your feeling is on this, but depending on the season and what I'm cooking, there are times when I think aroma is really awesome or just a regular vine ripened tomato is really exactly what I need for a recipe. So. And I actually think, because more and more people are starting to grill tomatoes, especially with the advent of heirlooms and things like that, but I think the best grilled tomato out there is aroma. Mm. It's got that density of flesh, but it's a really, really rich flavor. And you put that on a grill, and it's just accented perfectly. So I, I, I get that, yeah. Helga? Well, from me, it's two. It's either a directly picked off the vine cherry tomato, and I'm, I'm not really which variety. If, if it's a perfect cherry tomato warmed by the sun still, that is candy. Or a really perfect black crimson, but a black crimson doesn't have wiggle room. If it's not really, really good, it's not good at all. I don't, you know, there's some wiggle room with other tomatoes where, yeah, it's really good. It's not perfect yet, but you can, it's absolutely edible and, and enjoyable. A black crimson, if that's not right, it's just not right. It's just not a tomato you would enjoy. So very specific there, but a, a perfect black crimson is unbelievable. It's like chocolate. But I want to hear the gentleman who's kind of, well, let's, smiling in the let's back bring there. him in. Let's bring him in. So, as we we started, what's in season a little bit different today. Um, so, here on the line, of course, we have Earl Herrick, the voice of the market, with us from Earl's Organic Produce in San Francisco. And so, Earl, we've already started the, with the first question. You might as well you might as well answer it too. And the question is, <laughs> what's, your, what's your favorite love apple? He's trying to buy time because he doesn't I, know how to answer. Yeah. <laughs> right. I tell you know. Okay, first of all. Love apple, I never heard. That's that's fantastic. And wouldn't it be coming right out of your mouth, Mark? <laughs> so, <laughs> i tell you, for me, you know, I'm, I'm listening to your responses, and I'm going through my memory and my experiences, and the, what hits me every time is, is not even the variety. It's just if it's picked ripe, mm -hmm. then they all do the job. Mm -hmm. uh, that brandy wine, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Sweet 100 cherry tomato, mind-blowing. A Manzano Roma, psh, thick and juicy. And even a really nice slicer or uh, early girl, um, you know, dry-farmed. All those uh, 
really dense. A lot of those are dense. Of course, the cherry tomatoes aren't. But, but the cherry tomato is probably the biggest hit of sweetness. That sugar component is off the hook. So I just want to go out and pick a warm one. Oh, there you Any go. variety you'll uh, do. I'm, I'm with you, Earl. Right <laughs> yeah, I always want to pick a warm one, too. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but I think that listening to everybody, I think a sun gold cherry tomato I absolutely love. A black creme, like Helga was mentioning, is one of my favorites. And the early girl, I think, was the first mm-hmm. time I fell in love with a tomato. Really? A little small. They never get large, but they're a really intense flavor. And then when I was living in Santa Cruz for a few years, they have dry farmed early girls that the flavor is so amazingly intense that you could just sit there and eat a bag of tomatoes <laughs> like you do grapes or, or cherries. I mean, they're that good. They're that amazing. And so that's what that brings to me. So it's tomato time, Earl. What's going on yeah. out there? Mm. Well, you know, we're really hitting uh, – hitting in stride now when when august comes around and with their great warm weather everything is in production because local tomatoes hit at least in the california area around the bay area you know the first ones start coming in uh, beginning mid-june and um as everything has been this year it's been starting a little early and we are full chug in the season and it's going to continue really well uh, lots of supply um the the weather well, let's go back a little further. You know, as, as last last spring and, and the winter, very very low rainfall, and it's and I I have heard of some growers cutting back on 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 the plantings, but when the season hits as it has, there's such there's such a strong supply that that loss of supply isn't really felt. So I would I I think you're going to be seeing great prices out there, um, whether you're looking at a regular red slicer beefsteak or the heirlooms. Um, I'm pretty sure you can look at well. Some guys are going to go on at it. One ninety nine, uh, two ninety nine, three ninety nine. Um, it really, really depends, probably on the economic uh, situation of the, of where you're buying. And, and Earl, but, you know, look, listening to that, because heirlooms seem to be everywhere now, and I usually don't even buy them until about this time of year. Um, but I'm also seeing a lot of vine those uh, tomatoes on the vine. Those seem to be more and more around mm-hmm. all year long. Yeah, that's, that's become very popular. There definitely is a strong component um, in the off-season uh, out of Mexico that's, be, that's been identified as something that everybody wants. Uh, I think part of that has to do with the look, the visual of it. It's on the vine. Uh, it's, it's a variety that can come full color. And also that calyx that's on it and that stem gives it a really nice nose it's a it's a great smell so that is uh of the commodities that are that are growth oriented that cluster and and calyx tomatoes in other words tomatoes with that that little bit of um green on top we refer to that as a calyx those are probably two of the stronger uh supply side tomatoes from that that's responding to the demand of the customer well and it's interesting you're talking about that earl because you know for to pick out some of the best tomatoes is you really do need to smell them and there should be a smell at the stem in and it should have a strong sweet kind of earthy scent and the more fragrant the smell the more flavor is waiting for you inside when we're talking about the that strong flavor what what i've experienced is um Tomatoes that are grown in areas that are not intensely uh, 
well, let's put it this way. They can get intensely, intensely warm, but they also have a nice cooling effect in the evening. That, that cool evening somehow lets the tomatoes uh, be in the vine longer, get a little more flavor. So, you know, if you can understand where they're coming from, again, if it's farmer's market or you have a good relationship with that produce person, you might be able to find out where, from where they are and look for that kind of growing area. Well, and that's awesome, especially coming from the coast and things like that. So we're out of time, but so when you go out, make sure if you're asking somebody where their love apple comes from, that uh, it's from an area that has hot days and cool nights, and uh, go out and uh, put put a few of those in your mouth. (laughs) Thank you, Earl, the tomato whisperer. And thank you, Mark. <laughs> I'm psyched. I'm so happy. Here, Go begin out, it. Be, grab the abundance that's out there. It's a good year, and the quality is great, yeah? Yes. Absolutely. Thanks, Earl. try it. Always okay. a pleasure. Thank you, Earl. Thank you both. I'll talk to you all later. <laughs> Bye, Earl. Thank you. Bye now. Wow, seaweed and tomatoes. I wonder if you can combine the two. Salt. I'm sure um, you yeah. can, yeah. yeah. Wow. And that's basically the hour. Superfood seaweed, nourishment from the ocean, and what's in season. Tomatoes are in season. Beautiful. Thank you, Mark. This yeah. is this is one of those episodes where I think you could listen to it a couple of times and learn a new recipe every time. So <laughs> if you didn't have pen and paper, you can go back and play around in your kitchen. Full circle. <laughs> you can That's listen right. to the same episode right. 20 times and you see it with new eyes every time if you want to. Yeah, just like dragonfly. Beautiful. Well, thanks for listening. That was this week's edition of An Organic Conversation. Bye-bye now. An Organic Conversation is a proud production of the Organic Media Network. Associate producer, Kristen Ponger. If you missed parts of this show or for any other episode, go to iTunes or anorganicconversation.com. And for more information, health tips, recipes, and your daily dose of inspiration, please follow us on facebook.com forward slash an organic conversation. We are your hosts, Helga Helberg, Mark Mulcahy, and Sita Rani Palomar. And we'll be back right here, same place, same time, next week. See you then. Bye. Bye bye.